Twilight fans have long bought into Bella and Edward's all-consuming love as aspirational. I just couldn't live in a world where you don't exist. But was this really the fairy tale many took it for? <laughs> you at least watch where you walk. Bella and Edward's love story communicates that obsession is flattering. Older people dating underage people is fine. Age is just a number, baby. And the thing that proves a girl's specialness is the special boy who picks her. All along, some critics and audience members panned the films for their unfeminist angle and tasteless representation. I can't help myself. You are so mouthwatery. But the saga also meant a lot to young viewers, grossed over $3.3 billion worldwide, and is still mass-binged more than a decade later. So what views on love and relationships did Twilight actually teach its fans? Here are the toxic takeaways of the Twilight Saga. I may have stolen a kiss or two, but only after asking your father's permission. Toxic takeaway number one. The most interesting thing about a girl is the boy that picks her. Quiet, unassuming Bella is our protagonist, so what really makes her special? Male attention seems to be the answer. The most amazing person in the whole world suddenly picks you, and you just can't even believe how lucky you are and, you're, and everything's wonderful and perfect. As we discussed in our special girl trope video, it's the interest Bella receives from the special guy that illuminates her specialness. That's Edward Cohen. <laughs> Totally gorgeous, obviously, but apparently nobody here is good enough for him. As Bella and Edward begin dating, their classmates are jealous, skeptical. So you, you and Cullen, huh? That's, I don't like it. And astonished. Oh my God. Even in New Moon, when Edward isn't the center of Bella's story, the narrative still revolves around the boys who want Bella. Toxic takeaway number two, obsession and stalking are flattering. Once Edward and Bella are together, we learn that Bella's earlier dreams of Edward watching her were times when he actually was. How did you get in here? The window. Do you do that a lot? Just the past couple of months. Just before their first date, Edward had been stalking her while she was out of town, which she seems to like. Bella is also obsessive about Edward in an unhealthy way. She withdraws from other relationships with friends and family, spirals into a depression whenever he leaves her side, and fixates on winning his attention and protection. In New Moon, when Bella turns to Jacob for companionship while Edward is away, he is pushy. In Eclipse, he's manipulative. Maybe I'll get myself killed and make it simple for you. And at times, hostile. None of this is ever portrayed as inappropriate, it's simply an expression of love. That's because another toxic message is, toxic takeaway number three, nothing matters as much as love. And what exactly is love, according to this story? In our world, healthy, stable love has boundaries, balanced power dynamics, and honest communication. But that's not the kind of love we see in Twilight. Here, love is something you might have to die for, and romantic passion can be used to basically justify people doing whatever they feel like and have any indecency forgiven. I've killed people before. It doesn't matter. Bella's life is regularly in danger anytime she's with Edward's family, but Edward's solution is that he'll always be there to save and protect her. I feel very protective of you. Something that turns her into a damsel in distress, in which he also fails to do time and again. Bella's erratic departure from Charlie is another case of love trumping everything. When Bella's family sees her again, she is in a hospital bed, suspiciously found by her boyfriend, whom she had been trying to leave. The story the Collins tell is that Bella had an accident. Well, when you fell, you broke your leg. And you lost a lot of blood. But her injuries, which include a bite, don't really square with that story. But who cares? These kids are in love. The only thing that love doesn't trump is chastity. 
Toxic takeaway number four, purity culture is sexy. Stephanie Meyer, the author of The Twilight Books, is a conservative religious writer, and while vampires have long had a connection to sex, Twilight played on this history by largely subverting the vampiric urge to devour into a slow, mostly sex-free burn. Edward is viscerally attracted to Bella. I like my own personal brand of heroin. But constantly afraid he might act on it. I still don't know if I can control myself. I can't ever lose control with you. Having young characters wait before jumping into sex isn't a bad choice in itself, but the way the series frames the prospect of sex sends problematic messages to young girls. Why did you hate me so much when we met? I did. Only for making me want you so badly. Like that girls should control their sexual urges so as not to tempt boys. Stop trying to take your clothes off. You want to do that part? Not tonight. That premarital sex is a literal threat to one's safety. I still want you this way. It's too dangerous. That girls are vulnerable prey. As if you could fight me off. And chastity is the only guarantee of a girl's spiritual value. It might be too late for my soul, but I will protect yours. By the third movie, Eclipse, the emphasis on purity gets more overt. Dad, I'm a virgin. While the movie seems to understand how teen chastity is widely perceived, it's not modern, it's ancient. It approves of it, and when Bella and Edward finally consummate their relationship, the movie then unrealistically shows how sex between people who have internalized that premarital sex is bad and impure would actually play out. Purity culture creates fear and shame around sex, so for many raised in that mindset, having sex even after marriage can be difficult. Toxic takeaway number five, age is just a number. Edward is a 104-year-old man in a 17-year-old's body. While the movie entertains the idea of challenging this, Maybe I shouldn't be dating such an old man. Mm. It's gross. I should be thoroughly repulsed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually take the psychological age difference between the two seriously. This message is repeated with Jacob and Bella. Jake, you're, like, buff. How did that happen? You're, like, 16. I don't get it. And Jacob and Renesby. Your whole center shifts. Suddenly, it's not the earth holding you here. Bella and Edward may both look young and hot, but there's a power imbalance between them due to Edward's much greater real age, life experience, power, and wealth. None of that is treated as a problem to address. Toxic takeaway number six, everyone who matters is white and straight. In the Twilight Saga, there are no queer people in any of the five movies. Some of the vampires in the movies have lived for 3,000 years, long enough to experience a range of cultures without heteronormativity or strict gender binaries, and all of them are straight and cis. Communities of color were represented in the series, but poorly, with these few characters lacking depth and full stories. Tyler Crowley, one of the only speaking black characters, sexually harasses Bella, then accidentally almost kills her with his truck. He's threatened by her police officer father, playing on racial stereotypes. You can kiss your license goodbye. Ravant is a villain who hangs out with James, Victoria, and Arenia. Jasper, a member of the Cullen Coven, actually fought in the Confederate Army. All the training the Confederate Army gave me is useless against the newborns. The only reason his career seems to have ended was due to a Mexican seductress manipulating him into joining her army. And that leads us to the most cringeworthy representation in the series, the Wolf Pack. Stephanie Meyer researched a real indigenous tribe, the Quileutes, as inspiration, yet the resulting story still relied on stereotypes about indigenous people being animalistic or uncivilized. The boys of the Quileute tribe literally transform into wolves. The tribe members are hyper-masculine and prone to violent outbursts, which can lead to domestic violence. Sam got angry. 
Lost it for a split second. The Quileute boys are also markedly sexualized. Come on in, Bella. We won't bite. Speak for yourself. This is especially visible when they are juxtaposed with the generally softer, more civilized white vampires. Doesn't he own a shirt? Jacob and his family are portrayed as less valuable than the Cullens, just as Jacob is treated as a consolation prize when Edward is away. Plus, Jacob is portrayed by a predominantly white actor, Taylor Lautner, who only has very distant Native American ancestry. Despite all the film's toxic takeaways, an important, meaningful message for Twilight is that it's an important coming-of-age story for a lot of teen girls, and that aspect of it should be respected. While many of the takeaways are toxic, so were the bad-faith, hypercritical takedowns of the books and movies. Society isn't kind to teenage girls, with the media often gleefully ridiculing the things they care about. Edward! Edward! Where? Edward, we love you, you're the best! No, Jacob's the best! This romance story about werewolves and vampires wasn't supposed to be a model example for love as much as a fantasy. There are plenty of boy franchises with equally questionable writing and terrible messages that have escaped the level of contempt Twilight received for years. So it's important to maintain space and respect for the fantasy elements of Twilight that offer an important outlet for young people, then and now. We can always enjoy what's fun about it, but that doesn't mean we can't keep a critical mind of what messages we could be absorbing if we're not paying attention. That's the take. Click here to watch a video we think you'll love, or here to check out a whole playlist of awesome content. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications.